Good morning. Thank you. You want me to preach like you're talking to me? How are you doing today? It's so good to see you. Good morning. Yeah. I get excited about church. I know some of you just come. No, I'm teasing. You get excited or you wouldn't be here, and it's good to see you. Thank you. For those who are joining us online, welcome. We have many different time zones uh, from one corner of the earth to the other, all the way to Singapore. And uh, I believe SK or potentially Dr. Uh, uh, Ting is on the phone, and I mean on the line. We have uh, Pakistan. We have the West Coast with, I know, a few that are there and some others. So uh, we thank God for that. Isn't it wonderful about the amazing, magnificent miracle of, of, of being able to span the globe uh, from a little place in Canfield, Ohio? Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I just, I just get in wonderment of what the Lord has done and what he's going to do. Well, you've probably got the e-blast. If you haven't signed up for that, please do. Uh, I don't inundate people with it. We just sent a little e-blast that says, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going this Sunday. Potentially, if we're announcing something else, we keep them short. Well, this one you got says that uh, you're important to God and you have a divine hairdo, Right? Some of you have a divine hairdo. Some of you, you're, you're divining for hair, but besides that, it's all good. Don't you know that you have a divine style hairdo? It kind of makes you important to God. And one of the scriptures that is used a lot is a little bit difficult to understand at first. We can look at the one that's in Matthew 10, verse 27, there's a, a, a parallel scripture for the same thing that comes out of Luke 12, verse 3. Interesting that these are in two different gospels, but they're, they're occurring in different times in Jesus' ministry. This isn't one saying the same thing of the other one. So apparently, this might have been one of his themes, right? People have themes. Uh, pastors have themes. Churches have themes. Speakers have themes. They go back to something. God knows politicians regurgitate the same themes over and over and over and over, whether they're true or not. So in this instance, Jesus repeated this one time in Luke, a little earlier, and, and another time in Matthew. And the scripture in Matthew 10, um, 27, it reads this one. Whatever I tell you in the dark... That speak, I don't really like that speak ye stuff in King James, but that's all right, we'll live with it. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And then this is the point, focus in on this. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. Well, I don't know if that's a compliment or not in the natural that, you know, you're more valuable than a flock of birds. Um, personally, I don't like to be underneath a flock of birds. Stuff happens, and, and, and it's not all good. Uh, it's an old Jewish tradition that if, you know, the bride sometimes under the hula, outside under the hula, and sometimes 
you know, there's a bird dropping that falls, and if it happens to hit the bride in the head, that's supposed to be good luck for the marriage. I don't think so. I think that's a bad day no matter how you look at it. But a flock of sparrows, so are you really impressed if I tell you you're more important to God than a flock of birds? I don't think so, but when you look at it and you begin to understand what he was saying, first of all, he said you can buy in his day two sparrows, and how many of you know that the sparrow is one of the most worldwide known birds? It's on almost every continent. It's just a little bit of a nasty thing, that sparrow. And there's a whole bunch of them everywhere. Well, back in that day, and even in this day, if you're in a different place, a sparrow makes a good kebab. You, you, know, you roast a sparrow, you get a little sparrow kebab out of it. And two of them was a meal. And they were what was called close to a penny, a little more than a penny. It was, it was a tenth of a Roman drachmas, which make it just a little bit more than a penny. Basically, everyone could afford it. Well, he said that in the one, he said two sparrows you get for a penny. But he said five sparrows you get for two pence. So you got one free. If you bought four, you got the baker's dozen, you got the fifth one free. And he was sort of speaking to the people of his time, and it wasn't the focus of what a sparrow was so much, other than he was saying is, you see, the Father sees all of that. Your Father in heaven sees every sparrow. He sees the, the transaction. He sees the fifth one that was even for free. And if he's able to know all of that and to watch all of that and to be involved in all of that, and he knows the number of hairs on your head, what is he really measuring? He's, he's measuring how much God cares how much God cares. God cares so much, and he's got his eye over everything, right? That his eye is on the sparrow, so his eye is on you. And in that instance, we then can all of a sudden say, wow, no wonder Jesus used this as a theme when he was moving three through. Now, I wanna to touch on some points. I had asked Cheryl to just uh, give a little exhortation about how you're important. Well, first of all, we, we touched on some stuff today that really is moving in the spirit of God because we didn't have that conversation up here. As Sonny was talking about the earth and the stars, um, I want to share this with you. The spirit of God is stirring. It's stirring from the heavenlies to the earth. There's a different sound that goes out for different times and different things of the move of God, what God is doing. And there's incident after incident that we could look at in the, in the, in the chronology of the Bible, of the Spirit, of the Scriptures. However, I just want to focus on this because we don't have that much time. The Spirit is crying out to prepare the way. That's the voice that we're hearing right now. And there's a scripture in Psalms 19, starting in verse one, that talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. And there's another one that says the stars are bowing down. Well, in Psalms 19, it starts off this way. It's a perfect revelation of the majesty of God. It says the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. And the line has gone throughout the earth. When it says the line, what it's talking about is that the will of God, his voice, what he's declared, has gone throughout the earth. 
and the words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the son, which is like a bridegroom, like a bridegroom, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And that's the anticipation we have as God is preparing a bride for the bridegroom to come, Jesus Christ. And rejoices like a strong man to run its rice. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from heat. So we understand there is something that happens when God begins to move. The voice of the Lord resonates from the heavenly place. Now who hears that voice? Apparently all of creation. Apparently creation has a nature that God has given so that somehow, some way, nature responds to what God says and does. This little miracle uh, we lived through, some, some were able to acknowledge it, some weren't. And I'm not going to give you all the details other than to tell you, I think you remember when there was a well, right, that, that blew up. And remember what it was called, deep what? Deep horizon blew up. And it blew up off of the coast of, of uh, New Orleans and Florida in that area, and they couldn't stop it. Well, I had prophesied that God was going to shake our empire, the U.S., on the south side and the north side because of how uh, the son of Israel was mistreated in the, in, the, um, in the capital. And what happened was he went to have a meeting about the land with our president at that time, and the president decided he was going to make an example of him and just had him sit in the briefing room and never showed up for the meeting. Later on, it came up that he decided instead to have dinner with his family. And so the prime minister of Israel went back totally ashamed and embarrassed. He had gone to all the way to Washington for nothing. But you see, you can't touch the apple of God's eye without there being a consequence. I want you to know you're important. You are also the apple of God's eye. God will shake heaven and earth for you, just like he did that. And so what happened was that following Sunday, there was a quake that happened up in the Sound, up in Alaska. It was a very heavy quake, and it shook very hard. That was the northern atmosphere. And then Deep Horizon blew up. And when Deep Horizon blew up, I prophesied at El Rey Jesus on an English service with thousands of people there as it was recorded. I said that the Lord shook that, the Lord blew that, and Deep called to Deep. And that Deep will be stopped when there's a repentance and when we see that that shame has been erased. And so it went on and on, and you know the rest of the story. The scientists couldn't figure out how to stop it. Nobody could figure out what to do. It just kept gurgling and gurgling and gurgling oil, and they said, oh my God, we're gonna have 20, 30 years of this problem. It's gonna kill the wildlife, it's gonna kill the sea, it's gonna hit everything, they're not gonna be able to stop it. They were trying to contain it. And then the Lord had me prophesy a couple weeks later when it was decided that there was gonna be another meeting set up and Benjamin Netanyahu was gonna come back. He had me prophesy, we will be in that meeting. You're not gonna be in it, but you'll be in it spiritually. It's gonna be as if we heard what's going on because we'll know, because if the right conversation came and if there was restoration of what needed to happen, that that well will stop. And it won't stop by men's might, it will stop by the thumb of the Lord. He will stop it, he will stop it miraculously and the Lord says, you will see that which man has said will be cloudy for 20 years. I will blow with my breath and it will disappear in a matter of days. 
Mm -hmm. Well, they had the meeting, and a few days later, Deep Horizon was stopped. And if you ever saw the, saw the chronicle of how it was done, it was literally a miracle. They had to get something just right to fall just in the right place, in, in very, very deep down in the ocean. And it was almost as if, how many of you have ever seen one of those games at the carnival where you put something in and you're trying to get it in the slot through the water as it's sliding down and you want it to go in the big slot that gives you the biggest prize? It's even worse than that. And it just sort of fell its way in there and it stopped in deep horizon. And then something very weird began to happen. The oil began to evaporate and disappear and within 30 days it was 90 to 95% gone. And the environmentalists didn't know what to say and the scientists didn't know what to say but nobody was willing to say this is a miracle of God. I want you to understand something. God has complete authority over everything on heaven and earth. The water listens to God. Amen. Oil listens to God. Everything obeys God. Nothing is beyond God's power. Now, what does that mean? I want you to understand how important you are. I want you to be able to build your self-esteem and your faith as you begin to grasp these truths. I also declared as I was writing this that you know the, the angels in heaven are also receiving that word and speaking it out. And we see that also in, uh, in another psalm, and that actually comes from Job 38.7, not a psalm. And Job, this is when God is correcting Job and telling him how he created things and telling Job how he really doesn't have a clue about the depths and knowledge of God. And when Job, of course, was complaining to him about all of the ill that had befallen on him. But this I gleamed out of there. And it says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars sang together and the sons of God, the angels, went into a chorus with God. And if I read the rest of you, you would see this was before the foundations of the earth. This was before the creation of man and earth. The stars, the angels were in worship and rejoicing with God Almighty. Now there's an edict that's going out throughout the earth. And that edict is saying, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And that's the spirit that we're receiving right now in this life that we live in. You are not a mistake to be born at this time in this hour. Now, many people are just going through life and they're completely indifferent to what's going on other than what they read in the news. And we know that, you know, the news doesn't keep piling up and getting better. The news keeps piling up and getting worse. And it's worse and it's worse. And there's finger pointing and there's all kind of reasons that we're being told of this shortage and that shortage. It's a war over here. It's something over there. It's what the Chinese did there. It's what... But the bottom line is that the world is in a tailspin. And the Lord said it would happen. And he told us to watch signs. He said, just like you see a fig tree, because that's what they saw while they were in that Mideastern part of Israel in the Judaic area. They would see the tree begin to blossom and the figs were something very special. The figs were something that it wasn't somebody's possession. If there was a fig tree and you were coming by and you were hungry, everybody had the right to take a fig. And they would eat the fig. And the fig was a gift from God. And the fig was something that would have enough nutrition and enough sustenance in it for somebody to sustain and to go on. Some water and a fig and you were good for the day. 
Jesus said, when you begin to see this fig tree begin to sprout, and it's going to come forth, and you know it's going to bring its, for, its fruit forth in the spring, then you know summer is nigh at hand. It's coming. So we see these signs. We know it's nigh at hand. The time that we live in, how many of you know that you know, the disciples, they expected Jesus to return while they were still alive? It's only as they got older and older and they began to realize that, you know, they were getting persecuted and were going to be out of here and that their assignment was to build a church and to raise up people to continue to build the kingdom of this church once they were gone. But they were looking up. They were looking up. And they were wondering, you know, when's he coming back? And they could hang on to the words of the angel that said, why are you looking like that? The same way he left, he will come back. And they would say, is he coming today? Is he coming next year? Is he coming next month? Is he going to come? Will I ever taste death or will I just be with him? And I'm sure Paul never thought it would take 2,000 years for us to get to this point as he preached. And I'm sure as we got all the prophetic words that we received, that even those prophets didn't understand how long it would be. Isaiah said it's one crying in the wilderness, make straight a path. He's coming back. Isaiah cried out and told us how it would happen in a day. And how many of you know that there are four times as many prophecies about the second coming of Christ as there were the first advent? How many of you know that the Lord wanted us to be focused on his return? Because that's ultimate redemption. The whole reason that Jesus Christ came was to redeem the soul and to redeem the body of Christ, to prepare a bride for himself and to redeem the world, and to redeem everything else that there is, to reconcile all things unto himself. The word that gets translated as the restitution of all times and all things, a refreshing, a time of refreshing. The refreshing and the time only come with the return of Christ. Now, you could hang on to all kind of eschatology and prophecy, and we could debate it from here until we're blue in the face, and and, and, and unfortunately, churches and people and faiths and denominations get torn apart by these kind of things. This much I can tell you. The Lord didn't put us on this place in this time to figure out a way to escape. You're not in prison. You're in a kingdom of God. And he put us here so that we would prepare the way. You have to be here to prepare the way for him to come here. You can't be there. And the Lord isn't going to take everybody away that can prepare the way so that no one's here left to prepare the way. That's just not common sense, is it? Me, myself, hashayna, come Lord Jesus. And I pray for myself and for you that we fulfill that which he's given us to do. I want to shift into that gear with you. Crying out, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Now, it doesn't matter where you are. What matters is who you are. And we're going to talk about that. Question, are you a child of God? Are you a Christian by name only because it was somehow a culture that you received or a thought that came to you? You know, once, uh, not long after I was pronounced dead <laughs> out of the Jewish temple, and I'd been on the radio, there was a man coming in from Palestine, and he was going to be hosted at the Jewish Community Center here in Youngstown on the north side, Gypsy Lane. And he was put on the radio by one of our, our, our biggest talk hosts in the area, the talk program, the talk radio, and he was invited back the second day. 
And he came supposedly as a man of peace, but he really came with a dividing word. And he was sent through to politicize, you know, the, the problem between Israel and the Palestinians, etc., etc. And so I got a phone call asking me if I would be so kind as to, they wanted me to debate him. Well, I already learned you don't debate, but I also realized it was an opportunity to go on a secular program, the most listened to program in the Youngstown area, and to be able to testify Jesus Christ. And so I said, I'll go. And so we went, he on a microphone there, me on a microphone here. And he began to give his story about how he was both a Christian and a Muslim. I said, wow. And uh, so he went through about this, that he was making his comment to the Christian community, basically, about how uh, Israel and the Jewish religion aren't fair to Muslims or Christians. He was trying to bring division, saying he was one of each. So he got all done. He went on about 10 minutes, and then the ball got kicked to me. I said, sir, I am amazed with you. And of course, he thought I was complimenting him. And I said, I I've never met anybody like you before in my life. In fact, I think you're one of a kind. He's smiling, but now he's getting a little curious. And I said, I I I'm really trying to figure you out. I don't think I'm going to be able to because I'm not made like you. I am, but I'm not made like you. I said, listen, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you're a Muslim and a Christian. How did that happen? And he said, well, my father's a Muslim and my mother's a Christian. I said, oh, so you have a culture of Islam and a culture of Christianity. He goes, no, no. He says, you know, in our house, you know, my mom will worship one, my father will worship the other. I said, but for you, who's your Lord? And he got quiet because he knew if he said Jesus Christ was his Lord, he had problems when he got back into Muslim country. And if he said to the Christian community, Muhammad, you know, Allah is my Lord, all of a sudden he's got no credibility. He got quiet. I said, sir, I said, with all due respect, please don't bring this divisive nature into our city. I said, it's not healthy. I said, I know what you're doing. I know who's paying you. Please don't bring it in here. And I said, and I want you to know something. If you do bring that in here, it's not gonna be well for you with the good Lord because he won't be mocked and he won't give his glory to another. Well, we were supposed to meet at the Jewish Community Center at five o'clock that day. He didn't show up and he left the town. We need to know who we are, and we need to understand something. God, God wants to know, are you a child of God? Are you a Christian only because you say you're a Christian? Is your faith something you wear on your sleeve and it just comes out on Sunday morning sometimes, or some other way we work it, or are we really committed? I'm gonna skip some of this and go on to here. Here's the miracle of your life. Nothing with God is random. God created you. We already talked about he created the earth, but he created the earth after the stars and however, whenever he created his angels. You weren't a byproduct. Everything was created in order so that there would be an opportunity and a time in your life so that you could be something special. Now I want you to see this. It says, as Cheryl said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that it's by the blood, by the blood that sins are forgiven. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, correct? 
And we also know that scriptures tell us that he presented himself and his blood to the Father in heaven at the altar of the throne room of God once he resurrected so that once and for all there was an eternal atonement for sins. No longer would it be the blood of bulls and goats and lamb and sheep or sparrows or any other creature. It now was once and forever the creator himself. And this blood was sprinkled. Have you ever thought about the sprinkling of the blood? And it says that there's a, there's a ministry of the sprinkling of the blood. A sprinkling of the blood. Be careful. It doesn't say the ministry of the sprinkling of the blood is on you here on earth or your car or your house or all the things that people plead blood over. It's on the altar. It's on the altar of God. The blood of Jesus is holy. It's not made for inanimate things. It's not made to be put on the radiator of your car because your car has a radiator problem. That's your faith that fixes that. It's holy. It's about life. And it's about life. How many of you know that there's a book of life in the heavenly places? How many of you know that? Very interesting, the book of life. The book of life is talked to us about in the book of Revelation. Let's turn to chapter 3, verse 5, 18. I really want you to grasp this so it never leaves you. Because now you're going to understand who you are a lot better. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Stop right there. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. You see, we get it wrong. We think if we become a Christian and born again and do things right, our name will be written in the book of life, but your name's already there. He says, I won't blot it out if you overcome. Overcome what? Yes, overcome all the esch- uh, that you want to talk about, the eschatological functions, if you want to believe them and follow them. That's your course. I really don't care about all that. What he's talking about, if we overcome this flesh and this walk on the earth that we've been called to do, then he won't blot out your name. Think about that a moment. He's not talking about the fact that, that if you do the right things, he's going to write your name in. He's talking about your name is already written in. When was it written in? Before the foundations of the earth. You are already destined That's why the Word tells us you were predestined. Now, some people don't like that. They want to argue argue Calvin. I've been there and done that. It's, it's, It's useless. It makes no sense. The Word says to you, you've been predestined. Predestined for what? Everything's been written in the book of life. Now, some, it's all good. Some fulfill it and some don't. Some stray away and the name can be erased out of the book of life. But you're already there. Remember I said to you a couple weeks ago that nobody creates anything? Oh, some people like to think they do. I'm sure Bill Gates likes to think he created something like nobody else could. And I'm sure Einstein, although Einstein ended up finding faith in the latter part of what he was doing, there were others who created things. Not really. They discovered things that God had already created. And that's our life. All things are created by him, and nothing is created that is not by him. That's the word of God. I accept that. I accept that I'm on a journey to find the things that God has already recreated for me to align with Him. And that when He does, something supernatural happens, and I'm on a path, make straight a path in the desert. 
You know, we're walking through a desert life here. We're walking through a place where flesh prevails. Humanism prevails. Human logic is our science. Let the science tell us what to do, really? The problem is science changes. Science is only as good as that latest scientific assumption, and, but after that it changes because something new replaces it. So science isn't going to be your foundation. The Word of God is our foundation, and it's a firm foundation. And with it, we receive fresh revelation. And that revelation opens up our minds to the things that are already written in your book of life. And in your book of life, it's all good. And there's something else that, that, that Paul gave us. He said, God redeems the times. You see, Paul had regrets. I have regrets. Do you have regrets? But here's what he says. When you come aligned, I'm paraphrasing him now, and when you're born again, and when you're in that presence as a child of God, you become an heir with Christ, a co-heir with Christ. What does that mean? It doesn't talk about just the future. It talks about the past, present, and future. You see, there's only one who was able to give his life in an eternal sacrifice. That's Jesus Christ. And all things are purged by the blood, the eternal blood. And in that sense, because you failed him some time ago, it says in Isaiah, in your past, there I am. You see, time means nothing to God. He's eternal. And so when you get the eternal mindset and you understand that you're written eternally in a book of life and that your past, your present, and your future are all merged into a testimony that Christ says, I was given by the Father for you and that I can make old things pass away and all things new. And I turn you into a new creation, and that which was a regret can now become a testimony to the glory of my Father and my God. And when it does, you fulfill that which has been written in the book of life. Not only will I not blot your name out, he said, I will sprinkle a drop of blood on that book. I will seal you in my blood in the heavenly places. And no man can undo the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing under the earth, because the blood of Christ is insoluble. The blood of Christ defines you as a child of God. That's who you are. That's what you are. You have a purpose. You have a plan. Now, we happen to live in a time and a place where it's getting pretty exciting. Yes, look through the earth, as Isaiah said in 61, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, but grows darkness on the earth. You can't have the glory rise without the darkness. It has to happen. That's the prophetic word of God. So we are those, that we're not going to revel in the fact that there's doom and gloom happening around the earth. We're not reveling in the fact that, that children and innocent people are being killed and people are dying of diseases and famine. We're not gonna revel in the fact that our children are being inundated with lies, telling them that gender doesn't matter anymore, that they can be whatever they wanna be. We're not gonna revel in the fact that all of a sudden we understand that, that morality and the family nature is being displaced and replaced. There's so many things we could point out, but we see that, and it tells us the fig tree is blossoming. 
and Jesus is getting ready to come back. And the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the sons of God are bowing and crying out. And the rocks too are waiting. Hoshaina, Hoshaina, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm going to the last page. And I got a lot of pages. This is what happens. One other thing I want to give you, just so you understand about the book of life, because there's been bad teachings about the book of life. Not so much teachings as confusion, and people really haven't bothered to understand what it means about your identity. But if you look on Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they were trying to revel in the fact of what was happening in the present time. And he said, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Think of the time. Jesus had not yet been sacrificed on the cross. The blood had not washed them clean. No one had access into heaven yet. No one was saved. But he said, your names are already written in heaven. Rejoice in that. And then you could understand why James and others would come out and they would call people to holiness and say, walk the good walk. Walk the fear of the Lord. Work out your salvation with fear. He wasn't trying to say there was any other way to get there. What he was trying to say, there is a way to get out of there. There is a way to have your name removed. But this much we know. 1 John 1.9. Let's look at it. It's very important. This is our pill. This is the one that stops the hand with the eraser. This is the one that allows us to keep our name written. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the book of Revelation, it says that that white linen is the righteousness of the saints. Clothed. You receive a white robe when your sins are washed clean. You may not see it, but the sons of God see it and the sons of perdition see it and all of creation sees it, you are identified as a child of God. And with that comes all of these blessings. Just going to give you a few of them real quick. Real quick. In Ephesians, it says that you're the workmanship of God. It doesn't say you're going to be the workmanship. It says you are the workmanship of God. That means that he's already created you like a masterpiece. And a workmanship is something that's made excellent. A work, somebody's work, is something that they have special skill to do. Some of you have trades. You're very good at what you do. Somebody else can't do what you do. And you receive rewards for your trades and what you do. Some have gifts to be able to do things for the kingdom of God. And God will hone those skills. It's a workmanship. He's a creator. He's already created you as a masterpiece. You're something special. No one else like you. You're a unique tapestry, a unique piece of work, a unique work, workmanship. Besides being workmanship, 
He has worked in you to be born again. Born again so that in that instance, in that way, you too can become a new creation. As a new creation, old things pass away, all things are new. You walk in a newness of life. What is that newness of life? It's what He's already given you. You're discovering what He's already declared for you. You have a new family, a new family of God, a Father in heaven that you call Abba and who knows you and all the hairs on your head and says He will make you everything for your plans and purposes. And you've been adopted as joint heirs with Christ. And finally this, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2. I want you to grasp this because you need to get the tense right. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Next. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Next. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice he said that somehow you came into it. He says you've been granted this. This is who you are. This is your title deed to what he has for you. Our job, don't lose it. Nurture it. Share it. Walk it. Make decisions. Godly decisions. Be ready. Be willing. Be available. Be loving. Another one says we've been cloaked with tender mercies, with humility, with love, with compassion. And the greatest of all of these is love, love that perfects us. Don't say you love God and not love someone else. Jesus was very clear about it. Love is what perfects us in this walk. Reconciliation, forgiveness, Just recently, I tried to bring two major ministries together. The one was willing, the other was not. I thought to myself, how can you preach kingdom in Jesus Christ and not run to the altar to be reconciled to someone else? Doesn't matter who thinks they're right. What matters is my heart. How can I serve God and walk with that cloak of unforgiveness and arrogance and pride and ego. How dare I think that I could stand in the holy place of God and reject His love. The greatest of all is love. Recently I've been experiencing some real, (laughs) I don't know how else to explain them, very super supernatural things of God. Several times in the last week or two, I have spent probably two hours in the wee hours of the morning, somewhere between the third and fourth watch, in a, in a vision state, 
preaching. <laughs> I guess I'm preaching to me. I don't know who I'm preaching to. But man, were these powerful sermons. I was wanting to be able to, to, to walk out of the vision and write them down as they were going. And I watched crowds and I watched how the Lord used the message to prepare the way and how it amplified and changed hearts and changed faces and changed people and activated people and walked them into their destinies. And I got so excited and I didn't really want it to stop. And then morning came. And then a couple nights later, another one. And then I began to say, wow, this is good. I hope this keeps up because my spirit was crying out with the spirit of God. And we're working on a pilot program. Some of you in the house are helping me. Mikhail's producing and we got the team here, the video team. And it's called Frankly Speaking. That's the name of the series. And you'll see it soon, Lord willing, on Christian Network Television. I'm not paying for it. Okay, I'm too stingy for that. Uh, and we're not asking for money. Uh, frankly speaking, and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, you know, I just don't do well doing things the way other people do them. You made me this way. It's your fault. You've got to help me. I, I just don't want to go back and be just another program. I, I just don't want to be a talk program. I don't want to just be a preacher. I don't know what I want to be, but I want to do something different. And I want to be able to reach the unsaved and the people who hate religion as much as I can speak to the people who are, are saved and they want something deeper than chewing on a milk biscuit. And so something happened. It wasn't that many days ago that Again, the third watch, that's my watch when the Lord awakens me right around 3 o'clock. The fourth watch is, that's 3 a.m. in the morning. The fourth watch is 6 a.m. But usually it starts and then it stops. You know, I get to go back to sleep for a little while. This didn't happen. This became in that vision state, and it was a download and a download and a download and a download until finally it quit, and I got up at 6 a.m. and I said, I was supposed to record. I said, I, I'm not going to be able to record i got bags like this. I'm tired. I don't even know who I am, what's going on. Lord, you destroyed me. I asked you to help me. You destroyed me. What is going on here? And then it all came out. If we could turn the lights down, I want to introduce you to a very important person that's part of Frankly Speaking. If we would watch it, please. Turn the sound up. Hey there. How you doing? I'm Joey Bag of Donuts. They call me Joey B. And so I want you to know something. You know, I ain't always been like this. I mean, look at me now. Look what I got. I got a lot. Some people may call this junk, but to me, this good stuff. You see, I take stuff like this and I put the pieces back together and I make it into something. And when I make it into something, then it's valuable to somebody and they pay me for it. And then it becomes a treasure. It's no longer junk. Let me tell you a story. You know, I was away at college. I was doing three to seven. <laughs> and I wasn't being too good and it kept coming up for my probation. They kept saying, no, 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 Joey B, he hasn't learned nothing yet. 
But finally one day, I was really sad because they turned me down the fourth time. And this guy come up to me, his name was Stan. Now Stan was weird. He walking around all the time with this Bible. He telling people while they're cussing at him that it's okay. He blessing them and he giving them his food. Stan come to me, he said, hey Joey B, why don't you change your life? I said, Stan, look at me, look where I'm at. Who's gonna change my life? He says, why don't you come you know, to Bible study, come to church on Sunday? He says, by the way, you get out of your cell. I said, I'll get out of my cell? He says, yeah. I said, I'm coming. So I show up there and I start listening. I really wasn't in the program, you know, I was just riding through to get out of my cell. Plus they had coffee and donuts. That's how I become Joey Bag of Donuts. And so in the midst of all that stuff, it began to soak into me. And then after a little while, Stan say, hey Joey, why don't you ask Jesus to come into your heart? I said, Stan, what are you talking about? Jesus going to come into my heart. My heart here. Jesus there. How Jesus going to come into my heart? He says, you just ask him and watch what happens. So me and Stan, we say a little prayer. And all of a sudden, I start to feel something. I said, Stan, I don't know what's going on, but I feel different. He says, Joey, you're born again. I said, I need to learn some more about this stuff. <laughs> Bottom line, six months later, they released me and says, Joey B, can you believe that? Joey B, model prisoner. Now I want you to understand something. This is junk to somebody, but to me, when I make it, it's good. You might be junk to somebody, or you know somebody that's junk. But when God, he redo you, you become a treasure too. So, why don't you say a little prayer? Why don't you say, Jesus, you come into my heart? You know, he died on that cross, that's for sure. And he gave up his life and his blood for you and me, that's for sure. And he descended into hell, that's for sure. And he rose on that third day, and he went up into heavenlies. And when we ask him to come in our heart, our sins, they're gone. I'm Joey B. I'm Joey Bagadonis, a new guy. You can be too. So hey, I got more stories for you. We'll be connecting with each other. But for now, you keep on. You keep on. I got my eye on you. Hey. Hey, how y'all doing? You doing good? Hey, you doing good? I can't, hey, you doing good? Hey, hey, Joey B's born. Joey B got more to talk about, so you'll be hearing a lot about Joey B, and frankly speaking, so. God is good. We're in a transition right now, and God is doing all kind of stuff. And he's unloading, unloading things right now into all of us. Turn the lights up, please. It's starting from the top to the bottom. And in that instance, we're getting a lot of creativity. So pay attention to what the Lord is doing with you. We're in a creative season in this house and in this ministry. And many are tapping into the same season around the world right now. There are opportunities in your life to change and for things to be made new and renewed. I want you to also understand, this is an opportunity for debt cancellation. Listen to what I've said to you. 
This is an opportunity for debt cancellation. I just heard somebody else telling me their debts are about to be paid off. Somebody else told me their debts are being paid off. Somebody else told me the church's debts have been paid off all in the last month. God is doing a lot of stuff. Don't disdain that. You may not understand it. It may sound to you like to be beyond something you could grasp. Well, guess what? That's God. (laughs) When it's beyond what you can grasp, that's God. That's God. So I want you to get excited. I want you to get in close. I want you to make a commitment for yourself as we do and I do and we all do that you know what, we're going to just close, get in closer with God and see what He has to do. It's not about being entertained, beloved. Churches and ministries should not be at all about being entertained. Joey B captures some humor, some entertainment, but a very serious message. And hopefully that will cross some barriers. And it will speak to some people that otherwise turn off the salvation message. They've heard it too many times and wonder why it doesn't work. Amen.